Golden State Warriors basketball. Stolen by Curry. Curry driving with wall back goes reverse with a left hand. It was so weak. This is Warriors Roundtable with the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. David Lee isoed on Tristan Thompson. Goes to work. They double. He'll pass out of that. Jared Jack with a touch pass to Clay again. Oh my goodness. The sweet release of Clay Thompson. And he's got 28 points. Clay Thompson to David Lee. What an effort tonight for Golden State. Indeed, there's Clay Thompson. Gets the reverse off a backdoor cut from Lee. And there's a new career high for Clay. 32 points. Clay Thompson with a career high 32 points last night in Cleveland. Golden State salvages a split of the wind-chill road trip, and now any road trip of two games or more so far this year. The Warriors have had at least a split, including that fabulous 6-1 road trip back in December. Hi, everybody. Tim Roy once again inviting you to take a seat around the roundtable as the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues here on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State did not look good in the first two games at Chicago, at Milwaukee, but then Andrew Bogut came back in Toronto, and what a difference. A seamless return, and it worked out as well as Andrew and the Warriors could have expected a win in Toronto. We'll hear from Andrew Bogut in the interview he did with Jim Barnett immediately following that contest to get his thoughts on the ankle, how he played, and what the strategy is for Andrew Bogut from now until the All-Star break. We'll also talk to another big man, Jeremy Tyler, trying to find his way into a rotation. I think sometimes when we analyze Jeremy, we forget just how young he is. He's only 21 years old. It's only his second year in the NBA. He's working on his post game. He's taking advantage of the opportunity of going down to Santa Cruz and getting some playing time there. Jeremy Tyler comes your way on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Chris Mannix of SI.com and NBC Sports Radio will tell us why he thinks the Memphis Grizzlies will indeed trade Rudy Gay and will get his thoughts on the improved Golden State Warriors coming up later on the hour. We'll also tell you how the Warriors are contributing to the Bay Area, off the court. And as always, we'll take your questions and comments on Twitter at WarriorsVox, or you can send me an email at TimRoy, T-I-M-R-O-Y-E, at Warriors.com. We try to answer as many as we can. It's all coming up this hour. It's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable here on KMBR 680, the sports leader. So before we get to Jeremy Tyler, some news of the day. Golden State Warriors guard Clay Thompson and forward Harrison Barnes have been selected to play at the BBVA Rising Stars Challenge at NBA All-Star Weekend on February 15th in Houston. Clay Thompson is averaging 16.5 a night while shooting 39% from three-point range, and Harrison Barnes, the seventh overall selection in the 2012 draft, is in the top ten in rookie scoring and rebounding, and has played in 44 games in each and every one of them. He's been in the starting lineup. So congratulations to Clay Thompson and Harrison Barnes. They'll be joining all-star David Lee to represent the Golden State Warriors in Houston. Big week for the Golden State Warriors. A couple of home games before Golden State heads out for another tough four games, five night stretch. And the first home game is tomorrow night where you can take advantage of a special dynamic deal presented by Wiener Schnitzel. Tomorrow night, the Warriors take on Dirk Nowitzki and the Dallas Mavericks. Tickets start at just $25. Go to warriors.com slash dynamic deal to take advantage of this special ticket offer. Or call one gsw hoop and press 1. The Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues with Jeremy Tyler on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Lee in the bounce, cuts off and takes the hand off baseline to the rack, jammed it and was foul. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Cameron Jones looking down low for Tyler. He gets it, left block extended, working on goal camp to the rack, finger rolls it in. Welcome back, Jeremy Tyler. Immediately Coach Bjorkman calling his number. Gets the nice paint touch. Good patience, too. He let the guy cut through, waited to see if there was a double team, and then went to his move. Hi, Tim Roy on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. We welcome in Jeremy Tyler to this week's edition of the show. And, uh, Jeremy, obviously uh, this year has been sort of uh, good and bad for you in terms of your own personal accomplishments. The team, though, is playing great in the sense it's got to be fun to be around that kind of atmosphere. And you guys look like you're having a great time uh, every game on the bench. Yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah, you know it's been ups, you know ups and downs this year so far, but 
you know, I'm a man of winning. You know, I love to win, and and uh, you know what we're doing right now, and 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 the lineup we're going with is 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 working, and you know we're winning. So I, you know, it would be selfish of me to you know have any hostility or be upset about anything. Uh, you know, I enjoy winning. I enjoy being, you know, a part of the team. Like you said, it's it's fun. You know, we go out and practice, and then, you know, in the game every day, and we have a good time, and you know, we're there for each other. And uh, you know, we, you know, the guys that's not, you know, uh, that's not playing, is just helping the guys that's playing. You know, bringing the best out of them. You know, encouraging them every, you know, every single day, and and vice versa. When they get off the bench, and uh, you know, and and, and they come and talk to us, you know, it's the same thing. You know, we're just a big team. You know, we're, you know, we're family oriented you know we're all you know there for each other and uh you know ups and downs going to happen throughout your career uh through all seasons and uh you know staying positive and um staying ready and and you know working out every day and staying prepared is 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 the only thing you can do at you know at this point and it's 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 different for you in the sense that say at the power forward position it's not like uh, you're not playing for a reason. You have David Lee, who's playing like an all-star. Mm-hmm. Uh, they brought in a great veteran, Carl Landry. So, yeah. you know, there those are two talented guys that you can watch and learn from. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I watch them every day, and I learn from uh, I learn all their good qualities. I learn, you know, things that I need to work on. Uh, I even see things that, you know, they need to work on as well. Um, I mean, it's a tough position, but... You know, you know, in every you know bad situation or tough situation, you got to find all the good out of it. And, and uh, you know, I found like some of the best ways just to you know keep learning from them and just to stay prepared and and um, you know being positive and being a good um, you know good piece of the team. You know, because everybody has a you know has a position, even if it's not playing. I mean, um, I'm not playing, but you know my. My purpose on this team is, is is still you know to work hard and practice. Is still to show up every day with energy when guys have been playing and that's 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 tired, you know to still come in and be a a, a good you know piece of, you know piece of the puzzle to the team. You know that's that's what mainly you know what most of our success is. It's just everybody knowing what they got to do and knowing uh, you know what they got to do to get the job done. So you know, Jeremy, look at a guy like Carl Landry, who I think every young post player. Could should have a DVD of his moves around the basket. What have you picked up from watching Carl go to work? Carl is a is a great low post player. I mean he he's one of the best low post players where he doesn't really need to like you know he can catch the ball on the fly without a dribble and finish on the other side with just uh, you know actually using his length and uh, using his strength to get to the other side. Um, you know he's he's real relaxed. He takes his time. Uh, he don't rush shots. Um, you know he got a really 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 nice outside game uh you know as far as jump shot and uh i mean that's something that i watch all the time i watch his footwork um you know i watch how he can get the defender up with a pump fake and use his body to uh create contact to get in ones um you know just watch his space and even on defense off the ball uh you know just just being a strong uh foreman that's that's guarding you know bigger guys that's taller than him and still getting the job done i mean he's you know he got great uh you know, post defense position, and you know, it's just those type of things that I, you know, I, I take home every day, and I, you know, and I install them into my game. And uh, you know, same thing with David. Uh, David has, you know, a great ability. He has a, you know, a motor that you know most people don't have, and um, you know, that's something you could take from him as well. And uh, you know, just being around everybody, I, I, I'm just learning from everyone. You know, but you know, yeah, you know, everybody wants to be out there playing. Everybody wants to, you know go out there and show what they can do but you know sometimes when you're in the position things you can't uh, change or handle you got to just make the best out of it yeah it's funny about david lee is of how valuable it can be to be able to score around the basket with either hand all you have to do is watch him play yeah definitely i mean it's really it's really truly truly remarkable hey let's talk about some of the guys that they're on the team there's a lot of youth on this team there's a lot of guys who are like you and clay thompson charles jenkins in the second year and your rookie year was a short year. Yeah. And then there's a lot of guys like uh, the the four rookies, Draymond, and of course Harrison Barnes, Azili, and Kent Bazemore. And I'm telling you, if if you can't get have some fun sitting next to Kent Bazemore, you just can't have fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he's incredible. Yeah, he's a, he's a big ball of energy, man. He uh, you know, he brings it every night. <laughs> you know, as far as with that energy off the bench, and, and you know, most of the time it's me and him feeding off of each other. Uh, you know, just. Knowing what you know, knowing the game plan, you know, getting extremely hyped, you know, even from the little things that, you know, each individual, you know, has to work on. Like if if, you know, say for instance, if if Festus have a a hard time, you know, 
playing help side defense and like he does it and and like nobody knows like exactly what uh you know what he's doing and like the reason why we're cheering is just the little things you know as far as like him still learning and 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 like doing like those small things you know it's funny too both you and ken have gone down to play in Santa Cruz, and you and I have talked about this before. I think it's a great thing for you because it, it allows you to get some, some, some more game experience, and there's no substitute for that. Tell me about your experience in Santa Cruz and how it has gone for you. It's been great, you know, just to go somewhere and get some playing time, uh, you know, go out and still be a part of, a, you know, a similar organization, well, same organization, but, you know, we still got most of the same principles as far as our defense and offense. And, uh, I mean, it's it's just great to see yourself play. It's not like you go down there and work on one particular thing, like, oh, I need to work on blocking shots. No, you, you just go down there and just play, you know, just play basketball. At the end of the day, you know, you, you're in this business because you love the sport. You know, you love to play basketball. You love being around it. And, and, and you know, you love going out and, and learning from from your mistakes, you know, better than the things that you're good at. And, you know, that's that's basically, you know, everything – that you know we do when we go down there we just go out there and just play have fun uh you know get a chance to get some minutes in and see yourself ball and you know and well you know ultimately try to get the win down there you know it's it's a different from just you know playing anybody can go play somewhere but if you playing like and playing under control and and you know trying your best to, to win and and you know be a part of that type of team too as well it's just fun so you know a lot of times a young player will come in this league jeremy and and they've been the best player in every situation they've been in, you know, high school, grade school, college, uh, or in your case, going overseas. Uh, you're, you know, one of the most talented players uh, on the on the roster. And then you get to the NBA, and it's different. Is that a is that a shock to a, a player? Was that a, a shock for you? And, and did that change the way you approach the game? I mean, it's. You know, for most guys, it's ideal, you know, but for most of the time, it won't be ideal. You know, you're not going to be the same player on the same, on, on like on a different team. You know, you have different roles, you have different positions. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, most of the time, you know, when you come into a situation where, you know, you have, to, you know, a different type of role, it takes time to adjust. And, uh, you know, I, I came in from like, even from high school, being like, you know, number one, a top, top player in the nation. And, um, you know, even going straight over, you know, straight overseas to to being the young guy that that, that you know that has no say so, and then to go into Tokyo and being like, okay, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of a important guy on the team where you know as far as scoring and and defending and and uh you know being a good asset to the team, and then coming to the NBA, you know, having a uh, actually a, a really good opportunity last year, um, you know, could have did a lot better, but you know, it, it takes time. And, uh, you know, it's different type of roles, you know, like last year was a role more of, you know, learning and, you know, and experience the ups and downs and, you know, you know, experiencing like how do you handle adversity when, you know, when things ain't going your way. Uh, you know, I, th- I think that's something I'm still working on. Uh, coaches work with me every day as far as being mentally prepared and, and knowing my role. And, uh, you know, and eventually I'll have my my new identity because, most of the time you have an identity before you get there and then you got to develop a new one you know maybe right. it's is 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 being a great defender and a great uh uh pick and roll player pick and roll defense versus a score you know is this you always got to create a new identity you ain't going to stay with the same you know if i make it in this league until i'm 35 i'm not going to be the same player as I'm, you know when i'm 25 i got a whole new role and a whole new identity that's a great point because they, you, you watch the great players and they change over time. They may even become more efficient as they get older because they know what they can and can't do. You know, the, the leaping isn't there when you're 32 as it yeah. is when you're 22. And, yeah. and, and the best way to, to you know, withstand that is, is knowing that you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a change, is knowing and being aware that I, I need to find a new identity because a lot of guys that I see you know, from growing up, that are in different situations still trying to be that same guy when it's like, you know, it's not really meant for them to be that guy, you know, just to understand that, you know, on this team, you got all the scores, you know, like, like you have guys that are going to put the ball in the, you know, in the basket and then you have, you know, you need a guy that's, that's committed to playing defense. You know, you need a guy that's committed to running the floor and, and being, you know, a smart player on the court and, and, and following the game plan, you know, those guys probably all were scores and, and, uh, 
in college or high school or even the previous years in the NBA. But, you know, just, you know, just understanding that, you know, your role and understanding, you know, things you got to do for the better of the team. We're talking with Jeremy Tyler here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'm Tim Roy, and we continue. Jeremy, I asked uh, some of my uh, Twitter followers, you can follow me at Warriors Vox, Warriors VOX, if they had any questions for you. And the one, GSW Fan Lee, wants to know, what do you think you need to work on? What's your biggest strength and biggest weakness? Um, you know, I get that question a lot as far as strength and weaknesses. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's not one particular thing that I can say is, is a strength or, you know, or weakness because, um, you know, well, there's a lot of things that I can definitely uh, work on my, you know, work on. And, um, you know, so, you know, my weakness is, is, is probably, you know, I'll say every point of my game is there's a weakness in it. You know, I'm not a great, I'm not the best ball handler. I'm not the best shooter. I'm not the, you know, most athletic. But those are things that I'm working on every day. You know, I, like like ultimately I want to be the best at, at all those categories. And uh, not saying that I don't have any of those type of, you know, skills. It's just that, you know, those are things that I'm working on every day. You know, eventually I want to be, uh, you know, a, a really good player in this league. You know, I want to be uh, well recognized as, as a good defender. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so as far as weak, uh, strength and, you know, weaknesses, I, I just say I need to work on every, you know, every piece of my game, every single piece, you know, I jump shot because, you know, you never know, you could be put in a situation is all about unfortunate events. You know, you never know what situation you could be in, you know, play can break down and you have the ball at the last second. You got to know how to make that 15, 18 footer, you know, so it's, you know, kind of working on everything. Let's talk a little bit about the other situations when the ones that are off the floor, and you know there are some pitfalls of being in the, you know, in the public light and, and to be a professional athlete. How have you handled those? And, and uh, is there an adjustment to, you know, when you walk down the street and people know exactly who you are and what you do and and where you go and who you hang out with? Yeah, well, you know, definitely everybody around you, is, you know, is a reflection on you. You know, um, <clears throat> I always tell people, and you know, I've always been told to, you know protect who you're around. I mean, like, protect yourself and, 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 you know, pick and choose the right friends. The friends that you may have growing up that, you know, are, are, are rough around the edges, it's not going to be the friends you're going to end up with now. Um, you know, you got to put, you know, surround yourself around good people that's, that's, that has the best interest, you know, for you. Not for people that have, uh, that you have the best interest for them in most situations, but, you know, the ones that's there for you, that's not, you know, going to use you and, you know, being, you know, being out in the public life, I mean, you pick this, you know, the the life you live. I mean, I chose to play basketball and I chose to want to play at the highest level. And, and you know, with that being said, it comes with, pop, you know, being popular. It comes with people knowing who you are. And, I mean, you you know, you set yourself up for that. And so you got to know how to handle it. And with me, I just continue to stay true to myself, you know, stay, um, <clears throat> stay respectful, stay humble, you know, know that I'm still a human and I'm not some, you know, you know, some other type of person that that can't respect other people. I respect everyone that I come across, and I, res- you know, and I appreciate if they respect me back. And you know, it's 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 no big deal. You know, I just be nice and <laughs> be a good guy. Yeah, if you do those two things and and uh, show up on time, you can have a long career in this league if you have the the talent, and you definitely have the talent. Jeremy Tyler is our guest on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Let's talk about this team for a second. Uh, Andrew Bogut is starting to go through his workouts. He, what's going to happen? In, in in your estimation, he's a big piece of our team, um, and with the success we haven't already, you know, it's only going to get better. You know, if 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 he comes back and you know everybody on the same page and and everybody's working together and and you know continue to have that 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 will to win and that drive to win, then you know the sky's the limit for this team. I mean, you know, like I say, he's a big piece of our team, and um, you know if he comes back healthy and ready to play and you know, understand, you know, and be a part of the culture we have here, then, I mean, like I said, it's it's going to be good. You have a chance to work with a couple of coaches. Jerry uh, Gregorio is the uh, big man's coach here for the Warriors. Also down in Santa Cruz, a former NBA player, Vitaly Potapenko. What do you gleam and what do you learn from those two guys? Um, well, well, Coach V, I, I love working with Coach Vitaly. Um, you know, he's one of those coaches that, like, go out there and like defend you the whole time you know he's still you know in pretty decent shape and uh you know he's he's pretty strong and you know all he does is play defense on you and 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 help you as it goes on 
Um, coach Jerry is, is more of like a veteran coach where, you know, he kind of, you know, just talk you through it and, and uh, you know, push you through a lot of workouts. But all of that stuff is, is definitely, like, beneficial to all of us. I mean, it's making every big over here a lot better uh, as far as footwork, as far as being patient, um, as far as, you know, learning low post moves and low post defense. So, um, you know, working with both is definitely helping everybody here. Well, well, me, because I'm the only one that's working with both. But, you know, working with Jerry D and, and uh, you know, and all the other guys, because, you know, we all feed off of each other. You know, you know, if I'm messing up and, and, uh, and Jerry don't see something, then David is saying, hey, you know, make sure, you know, when you go middle and spin back, you have, you know, get a little more space in between you and the defender. So, you know, everybody kind of helps out each other. Tell me about the the other guys down in Santa Cruz. Is there a player there or two that we should uh, kind of keep our ears open and eyes on that we might see in the NBA sometime soon? Well, I would say Chris Johnson, but uh, he just got his call up. <laughs> he did. He did. Yeah, and, and, you know, he played really well. So he was one of them. And, I mean, Travis Leslie played in, uh, played in the NBA last year, and I think, you know, he was on such a good team. He didn't really get opportunity. And uh, I think he's a very good player, uh, extremely athletic, um, you know, has a nice outside jumper and, and a pretty good defender. So, I mean, that you know, in this league, that's all, you know, that's being a good defender, being a smart player and, and uh, being a guy that people want to play with and uh, being a good guy. I think that, you know, that's that's good qualities you need to, you know, to be a good NBA player. Is there something about Mark Jackson that we might be surprised about? I can't really call it off the top. Uh, I mean, he's extremely funny. I mean, I don't know if he displays that on like interviews, and but he's you know, he always cracking a joke, and he's you know, he always makes me laugh, and everybody laughs. So it it seems like he he it seems like he really has uh, your guys' backs. That yeah. he 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 goes out of his way to make sure that that you guys know that he's in there with you. Yeah, I mean, he's a player. Uh, you know, he played in his league. Um, you know, he's he's been at every level, so he understands the frustration. You know, he understands the level of difficulty of things that, you know, we do. And, um, you know, he's really um, understanding of all that. And, um, you know, so he, you know, he gives us a lot of opportunities, a lot of chances. And, um, you know, he's not like that coach that, that drills you, you know, if you make a mistake or anything, he's going to kind of tell you, hey, you know what, next time, you know, you know, do it the right way. But, he, you know, he's not going to get on you every single time. Um, you know, he's more of, a coach, you know, a, 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 a good friend to everyone, um, a role model because we all look up to him. And, uh, he, you know, he just, you know, he, you know, he's just a good guy to have in your life, you know, like, you know, even outside of basketball, you know, being as religious as he is, you know, helping the guys that, you know, either, you know, either have questions or, or, you know, want to have a better relationship with the Lord and, you know, talking to them and, and, you know, giving them that knowledge that some of us don't have, you know, growing up and like, being so busy and everything, we, you know, growing up in high school, you have games on Sundays, so you can't go to church. And, you know, so so maybe you want to ask him a question about something that you have a concern about or, or something you want to talk about. He always going to give you a good answer. And, uh, and you know, I think that's that's something really positive to have around in your life and have someone that, that knows, you know, knows the word inside and out and that, you know, you can feel comfortable with talking to. Jeremy, I really enjoyed our conversation, and I appreciate your time. and. And I look forward to uh, seeing you on the floor sometime soon and keep up the hard work. Yes, sir. Thanks a lot. Lee got the rebound. Top of Clay Thompson for three. Yes! We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. The Golden State Warriors are on a constant mission to provide you the best basketball team in the National Basketball Association, as well as off the floor trying to help the Bay Area continue to be the best place to live in the United States. The Warriors and Kia presented YouSpeaks with a $10,000 check to support their residency program, an initiative currently housed in 25 schools in San Francisco, Berkeley, Richmond, and Oakland. YouSpeaks is a nonprofit organization founded in 1996 whose mission is to create safe spaces that empower the next generation of leaders, self-defined artists, 
and visionary artist through written and oral literacies. Poetry One-on-One is one of a number of events throughout the Bay Area, including the Unified School District Poetry Slam event and the Youth Speaks Teen Poetry Slam. Those events coming up later on in the year in March and May. But the recent open mic session in San Francisco was emceed by Warriors VP David Kelly, who goes by the name Cap D. Poets often use many words to say a simple thing. It takes thought and time and rhyme to make a poem sing. So in the 80s, I was, you know, really into hip-hop initially as a producer and then became really, you know, more involved in rhyming. Um, so my love for hip-hop was always based upon poetry, based upon the rhyme. All through all of this, the one skill that took me from getting into college as an English major, working at Third World Press, writing for The Source, putting out albums to be general counsel at The Warriors, is that I can write, like everybody here, right? It's no, no better, no worse, just ability to write. And no one would think that a hip-hop artist would be a lawyer, right? These are serious times that we're living in. No time for giving in the living ambivalent. Brothers be bumbling, babbling for the sake of it while the world is crumbling. Here's what I make of it. The surface full of followers, crooks, duns, idolaters, took funds and borrowers, shook ones and wallowers. Crews need the nine to feel peace of mind. The blind lead the blind and don't heed the signs. They force feed the mind with swine, weed and wine and then tiny switch from dank weed to lines. The rich redefine success and opportunity with speed the blind pursue and lose unity. Can't read the fine print that's embedded, but indeed they sign on that line and then regret it. The proceeding line for crumb scraps commodities while shy heat seek divine peace and piety. Musical pornography, usury in the lottery, we smoke, feast, coke, and even new wallabies. All of that's an oddity based upon the physical, but still the godly junction with the spiritual. Yet the hypocritical yield to material and bodily functions function as if imperial. Lust is unbridled for titles and idols. No time for oscillating idling the signs of idling. Rash rush decisions about cash and such cause much divisions in the masses. But the masses must muster a massive vote. And at last, we smash massa with a massive jolt and give him one big push for all mankind. First thing that when I, when I went to law school, I learned how to manage my time. Before that, I was running the label, but I was, you know, just messing around a lot of the time. Like, I was your typical artist. Um, when I went to law school, I was like, okay, I got to be serious about this. And I realized that, you know, this, so after working a job, going to law school is easy. You know, a job, you're working eight to six, easy. Working at the law firm, I'm working eight to nine. If you want to do anything else, artistic-wise, you have to really know how to manage your time. TV's gone, PlayStation's gone, you know, just a lot of just messing around, it's just kicked to the side. You got to prioritize. So my priorities were work and music, and music was my release, kept me sane. Um, but I had to prioritize so that I can make sure I got the work done and, and the artistic. So there's, there's ways to do it, but you have to really prioritize your time. And if you say you want to do it, then you'll put the other stuff to the side. It was phenomenal. It was really great to hear these kids speak and be passionate about what they're experiencing in life and to be able to express that in the form of poetry. And we were really glad to be a part of it. Well, I mean, it's a real honor to be here to, to spit a little something, um, to hear a whole lot. Haven't been anything like this since I've been out here in the Bay. I just moved out here in March last year, so this is really a pleasure and honor to be out here. Again, my name is David Kelly. I'm not the general manager of the Warriors. That would, uh, I'd be in a different pay grade. Um, I'm the general counsel of the Warriors. Um, on behalf of the Warriors, I would actually like to, to bring up to the, to the front Michelle Herney from Kia as well. The other reason why we're here is so that we could talk about our partnership with Kia and our partnership with Youth Speaks and to present Youth Speaks this $10,000 check so that you guys can continue doing what you're doing, which is beautiful. We're blessed to have the partnership with Kia and we're blessed to be able to be here with you and keep doing what you're doing. And on behalf of Kia and the Golden State Warriors, we present you with this check, $10,000. It's up a good Harrison Barnes can feel it right now. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. 
Golden State and Dallas tomorrow night. Radio-only coverage to start at 7 o'clock. Yours truly and Jim Barnett. Don't miss the next bobblehead giveaway. The Clay Thompson bobblehead night takes place Wednesday, February 20th against the Phoenix Suns. The first of 10,000 fans in attendance will receive a limited edition bobblehead courtesy of Lucky. Go to Warriors.com slash bobblehead. Always a fun time to answer your questions at Warriors Box, Warriors V-O-X, or send me an email, Timroy, T-I-M-R-O-Y-E, at Warriors.com. A couple of questions to get to. Uh, number one from Robert Phillips involves Harrison Barnes. He says, Barnes, knee, MRI taken, needed, or just sore from jamming it on the landing. It's actually not the knee. It's the lower part of the left leg sort of the calf area there, and so it was sore the way he fell awkwardly, and he is day-to-day. Draymond Green is the subject of the question from BK Weave, who wants to know, is he going to get more minutes instead of just injury, minutes like yesterday, and of course yesterday he means in Cleveland. I think Draymond's going to be a hard guy for Mark Jackson to keep out of the lineup because he does so many things. He attacks the glass. He can defend very well. I think he's right on the edge of the rotation. I think he's going to be your eight or nine guy all year long, uh, depending on the situation, depending on injuries, depending on matchups. But he's just a competitor. Uh, he he makes plays that helps you win games. And I just think it's going to be a, a real uh, sort of game-by-game basis for Draymond Green. But he is going to be part of the rotation. Just a couple of quick ones right now. Mac Raider wants to know, uh, is Steph Curry out for a few games or just being cautious and letting him heal up for Dallas? Again, I think it's how Steph Curry responds to treatment, whether it be today and tomorrow, how that ankle feels. The great thing about the Warriors roster this year is a perfect example is the game in Cleveland. You've got Jared Jack. You have him right there. You can start him. That's why he was brought in. And so Steph, in just an odd occurrence, he stepped on uh, someone's foot. It happens in the NBA. Uh, so I think they'll take their time with Steph Curry. I don't think it's a bad role, though. I don't think it's anything to worry about. Finally, from Waldini101, he wants to know, why has Azili fallen to third string? I don't think he's necessarily fallen to the uh, third string, but I think Mark Jackson now has the option of bringing in Andres Biedrich or Festus Azili. But I think Festus, in the second half of the year, with Andrew Bogut in the starting lineup, Festus will have his confidence go up. And you may ask, why would that be if he's coming off the bench? Well, the reason is, now when he comes off the bench, more than likely, he's going to be playing the second string center. And that's going to be a better matchup for him right now. He's already a good defensive player, and we know he can do that. We know he can block shots. We know he's got the big body. And now it's time for him to relax and start developing that offensive game, start you know, focusing on making sure that he catches the ball when it comes in and then goes to work. I think he was trying to do too many things too quickly, and I think that got him into trouble. So Andrew Bogut, always a topic of conversation here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. And uh, one of our tweeters says, how does the team feel about the return, and how long will it take to blend him in? I think if you watch the game in Toronto, I think you saw Bogut blend in instantly. 12 points, 8 rebounds, 4 blocks, and 24 minutes of work. And he had a chance to talk with our own Jim Barnett and our simulcast coverage immediately following the game. Well, Andrew, after missing 39 games, you said you would come back when you felt ready. Well, you sure looked ready. How did you feel tonight? Felt great. Felt great. Um, you know, I, I thank the coaches before the game for being patient with this. Um, it's been a frustrating time for me. Um, it's been it's been hell for two months. Um, the fans out there, you know, um, it's, it's been tough on everybody. And I, you know, the last thing I, I didn't want to do was just be sitting out with an injury and. I feel like it's, it's it's almost there, and I'm back out on the floor. I'm excited. Well, the timing was right for you because the Warriors have been just terrible on the boards these first two games on the road trip against Chicago and Milwaukee. But tonight, you changed everything. Points in the paint, second chance points, and you and David Lee. It takes a lot of pressure off David Lee for you to be alongside. Well, you know, we, we really think that we're a very well-balanced team, um, you know, one through five. and. When we move the ball like we did tonight, and you know we had a couple of mental lapses defensively, but you know when we knuckle down defensively and get out and run, there's not many teams that can stay with us. How did it feel to get four block shots tonight for you? Felt good. That's what I do. I mean, I'm going to challenge guys at the rim. You know, uh, for everyone out there, I'm going to get dunked on every now and then. That's just a part of it. Um, but that's my role on this team: is to rebound, get guys open with screens, and protect the paint. I was kind of surprised you played 23 minutes tonight. You never showed signs of fatigue, but. 
back-to-back night. There's a game tomorrow night. Do you think you can play tomorrow night, or will that be a game-time decision again? Uh, probably not. Um, we'll see We'll see what happens. We'll have a chat with the trainers and the coaches, but um, you know, we don't want to be silly with this thing right now, and back-to-backs are probably out of the question probably until um, all-star break. How fun was it just to get out there finally again and, and, and be able to run up and down the floor and get your legs underneath you? Well, B's running on a treadmill, I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's what, what I'm paid to do and what I love to do. A lot of people don't understand that, but I'm just happy to be back out on the floor. I still got a long way to go and make sure this thing stays right throughout this process, but I'm excited. Um, I think I progressed tonight, came out aggressive, and most of all, you know, this, this would have been useless if we lost, so we, we won the game. Final question, you're talking about the way the ball moved. You've been one of the best passing centers in the league over the last eight years, and you and David Lee combined for nine assists tonight. That's pretty good from the front line, a power forward in the center. That's what we're going to do. We're both high basketball IQ guys. We both can pass the ball. We both can put the ball on the floor. Um, and we're both team-orientated guys, so I think you'll see a bit more of that. Well, congratulations, Andrew. Uh, nice lift for the team. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you all for your questions, and please send me your tweets at Warriors Vox, Warriors V-O-X, or if you want to send an email, you can do that at timroy, T-I-M-R-O-Y-E, at warriors.com. I try to respond to everybody who sends in a query. We continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Chris Maddox of SI.com stops by, and he'll tell us why the Memphis Grizzlies are still trying to trade Rudy Gay, why the Lakers are playing better in a myriad of other topics as we continue on the roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Up and good, David Lee getting to wherever he wants to go on the floor and knocking everything down. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. Chris Maddox of SI.com and NBC Sports Radio. I hear you have your uh, own show now. Is that true? I do, every uh, Sunday night from uh, 3 to 6 Pacific on the NBC Sports Radio. Is it just uh, NBA, or do you venture into... No, we touch, on, we touch on all stuff. I mean, it, certainly NBA is more my wheelhouse, but uh, over the last uh, few months I've tried to educate myself as best as possible on uh, all things uh, sports. Now, now, as I watch uh, I'll, another network that I won't mention who they are, uh, they, they seem to focus on three teams in the NBA. Uh, one is located south of Golden State. One is located right near you, a few blocks away from you. And the other is located in South Florida. Uh, but to me, uh, this is a year where there's all kinds of, of interesting stories going on uh, around the NBA. And I'm going to start with Memphis because I want to get your take I think, I think Memphis is a really good basketball team. I, I think that at the start of the year, I thought they had a chance maybe to take that next step, get to a conference final and see what happens. And maybe, you know, if they get if they get the right matchup or, the, or they get, uh, say, an Oklahoma City on a bad week or whatever, they might have a chance to move forward because I really like their combination. But, but it seems like, whether it be strictly finances or other reasons, the new ownership has a different idea. And, in fact, as we're talking, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Toronto Raptors apparently are very close to a deal that would send Rudy Gay to the Raptors. According to ESPN.com, the Grizzlies would acquire forward Ed Davis and veteran guard Jose Calderon from the Raptors and then move Calderon to a third team. Now, that third team could be Detroit. Apparently, they are debating whether or not to send Tayshaun Prince or Austin Day to the Grizzlies to acquire Calderon as part of the deal. The Dallas Mavericks were also interested in the deal, but they refused to get rid of veteran swingman Vince Carter and also Hamed Haddadi, the reserve center for Memphis, apparently is going to end up in Toronto. So stay tuned for the particulars of the Rudy Gay trade, which apparently will have him become a Raptor. What do you see going on with the Grizzlies? Well, most of the decisions being made in the Robert Parra era uh, so far have been financial. Uh, the trade that dealt Maurice Spates and Wayne Ellington uh, to Cleveland was strictly a financial move. They gave a first-round pick away so Cleveland would take those salaries on, off their hands and they would be able to get under the luxury tax apron. Now uh, I've been hearing uh, you know, a, a lot of activity heating up about a possible Rudy Gay trade maybe to Toronto, which could go down within the next week, uh, maybe even sooner than that. Uh, they seem very determined to uh, to look out for this team's long-term financial interest. And i got to be honest with you, I'm pretty disappointed in seeing that because I felt that before that trade to Cleveland that this uh, Memphis team had to be one of the top two or three favorites to win a championship in the entire NBA. I mean, they had size up front. They had improved play at the point guard position for Mike Conley. Um, their, their depth was exponentially improved with the return of Darrell Arthur 
the health this year, the addition of Ellington, who even though he's cooled off a little bit with the shooting in the last month, is um, still considered one of the better uh, outside shooters um, you know, on that team. And, and also the development of Jared Bayless as well and the addition of him to that roster. I, I just felt that this Memphis team was poised to make a run in the postseason. Now, you know, with the depletion of that roster with the recent deal and the possible trade of Rudy Gay, I just wonder what the direction of that team is, and I wonder where they're going to go. And certainly I feel like they've weakened themselves by dealing Spates and, and Ellington, and they would, in my opinion, drop off the map if they wound up dealing uh, Rudy Gay at some time in the next couple of weeks. What do you hear that they would get back from Toronto for Gay? Well, I've heard a variety of, uh, of things. I mean, there's, there's what Memphis wants and what's realistic. I mean, I've heard Jose Calderon's name mentioned uh, in the deal, uh, I know that uh, I know that Memphis wants uh, Terrence Ross, the rookie that they have uh, with, with the Raptors. I've heard the Raptors are not willing to give him up. Uh, you've heard Andrea Bargnani's name mentioned uh, in a possible deal there. So right now the situation is is pretty fluid. Um, but either way, uh, no matter what they get from Toronto, they're not going to get a player that measures up to what Gay can do. Um, you know, as, as much as we're upset or, or people are upset that Gay has slipped a little bit as far as shooting percentages go. I mean, he went from, say, the I think it was the high 40s a couple of years ago to the low 40s this year. He still is an elite one-on-one player. And I was at the game they played against Philadelphia the night before last, and, you know, Gabe was the one that came up with a game-winning shot. And that's uh, that's what he does. He's a big, strong, athletic, small forward who can shoot the basketball. Um, and I think that, you know, losing him from your team – takes a major offensive weapon away from them. So regardless of what they get from the Raptors, I just think that, that dealing Rudy Gay is going to make them significantly worse no matter what. You can follow him on Twitter at uh, Chris Mannix SI. And, of course, you're talking about Rudy Gay, and I always felt that he, you know, for whatever flaws he has, he's one of those guys who's not afraid to take that big shot, and I think that's a, that's a great quality to have uh, in the NBA. I'm going to bounce around a little bit. Let's go to Boston. Rayshon Rondo is out for the year. I mean, that changes everything. If you're Danny Ainge, do you blow this up, or do you stay loyal and make sure that Paul Pierce retires as a Celtic? Well, I think Danny will kick the tires on every possible scenario. Um, You know, Danny's not been afraid to deal Paul Pierce in the past. Uh, You go back about three years, um, and there was a trade with Portland that was on the table for Paul Pierce. As As early as last year, they were talking to Brooklyn about a deal that would uh, that would include Paul Pierce. Um, you know, the, the, those trades never happen. But Danny's clearly shown that he's not afraid to to make a major trade that involves Paul Pierce. The question is, you know, what could he get back in return for Pierce or any of the major stars uh, on that roster? I mean, Kevin Garnett at this point is virtually untradeable. He's owed twenty three million dollars over the next couple of years, and even though he's been healthy this season, there's a lot of people around the league that think that Garnett is is just any moment poised to have some kind of injury because he's playing such major minutes at the center position. He's only three years removed from significant knee surgery, and the, the common school of thought is that at some point Kevin Garnett's body has to fail him, and teams just aren't willing to take on that kind of risk with the guaranteed money Garnett is owed over the next couple of years. Pierce is a much more attractive guy because that contract for next year is only partially guaranteed. Now, Pierce is still playing at a high level, averaging about 18 points a game, and even if he falls off, and even if he's dealt to a team that wants some salary cap relief next year, you can buy him out for $5 million. And that's something that, from the GMs that I've been talking to, is a very appealing part of, of acquiring Paul Pierce. But all that being said, you know, the, the fact that the, the financial landscape has changed, the fact that this, the new luxury tax penalties that kick in next year are going to be even more, significantly more punitive than they, what they were in years past, teams just aren't willing, as willing as they used to be, to just arbitrarily take on salary if it makes their team better, which is why I think ultimately at the trade deadline, both Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett will be with the Celtics. Might make a deal to acquire uh, acquire someone, be it uh, Marcin Gortat out of Phoenix or another smaller player uh, to play, um, you know, to play to fill in that point guard spot. But I think that Boston's going to try to go the rest of the season with Avery Bradley at the one and keep this core group together at least until the offseason when they might decide to reconsider. Now, with, with Rondo out, it kind of shuffles the deck. And I mean, you recently wrote about Philadelphia and about how Andrew Bynum could make a difference. Uh, but, but to me, 
you know, I just can't see. You know, Boston's got a great record without Rondo the last few years, but they always knew he was coming back. You know, he was. There were you know a series of injuries, but they knew eventually he was returning. Now they know he's not coming back, and I think that makes a big psychological difference. So, do you expect Philadelphia, or even a team below uh, Philadelphia, to get back into the uh, Eastern Conference playoff race as a result of Rondo being out? Well, Philadelphia is the only one I see as realistic. Detroit's played excellent um, in, the, in the last month or so uh, since they got off that horrific start uh, this year. They really started to turn around. But I, don't, I just don't see that team with their youth being able to overcome uh, the gap between Boston and them and make that kind of run uh, in the postseason. And Boston, I think, is not going to just fall off the map uh, with Rondo gone because Bradley has proven over the last year or so that he is a legitimate player, a legitimate NBA starter in this league, whether it's at the one or the two. Certainly not the playmaker that Rondo is, but an exponentially better defender than he is. And I think you'll see much better ball movement once Rondo is out of the lineup because a lot of times Rondo tended to dribble the ball into the ground. Uh, he, he racked up big assist numbers with the NBA's leading assist man, but a lot of times he was very much uh, in, in the ball control type of mode, and he only passed kind of at the last minute uh, with, with shots led to jumpers or open looks around the rim. So I think that the ball movement will increase. The team will still be able to tread water. But Philadelphia can overcome them if they get Bynum back because this Philadelphia team, as ragged as this season has been, I think a lot of their problems become cured if Bynum comes back and, and is the play, 75 to 80% of the player he was in L.A. last season. I mean, they were built this year to play inside out in Philadelphia. They got rid of Andre Iguodala. They let Lou Williams walk as a free agent. They need Andrew Bynum to be that low-post presence so we can open up space for guys like Drew Holiday, for shooters like Evan Turner, even for a guy like Thaddeus Young who can create uh, off putbacks and double teams. I mean, this whole roster was created to play off of a guy like Andrew Bynum. And if he can come back shortly after the All-Star break, I think he can make Philadelphia into a real factor in the Eastern Conference, not just to get into the playoffs, but if Bynum comes back and is healthy, that is going to be a team that nobody wants to play against in the first round of the playoffs because they were a nightmare last year with their athleticism. You plug Andrew Bynum into that mix, and under the assumption that he's healthy, uh, that's going to be a team that could beat you in so many different ways. And they're well coached with Doug Collins uh, as well. Uh, Chris Maddox is our guest from ChrisMaddoxSI.com and also NBC Sports Radio on Sunday nights. Does anyone want to roll the dice on Josh Smith of the Hawks? Well, I think teams would. You know, Josh is still an elite player um, at his position. I mean, he's maddening at times with his jump shooting. He's frustrating with, with, with many different parts of his game. His attitude's always been in question, but he's still 27 years old and, you know, a tremendous shot blocker, a tremendous scorer when he's around the basket. Um, there's a lot of things that Josh Smith can do that a lot of players in this league can't do. The question is what kind of asking price are the Hawks looking for? And I've been told expressly that, it's not going to be a Joe Johnson type of situation. It's not going to be, um, you know, we're just going to deal him as a salary dump because Josh Smith's contract expires at the end of this year. And Atlanta, in a lot of ways, still looks at Josh Smith as a key part of their future. I actually spoke to a source in Atlanta just two nights ago, and, you know, even though that they're, they're undecided at this moment as to what to do with Josh Smith, they have certainly not ruled him out as a long-term piece within this organization. And you've got to remember that Atlanta still holds out hope that they can go out and acquire Dwight Howard in the offseason. And Dwight Howard has a great relationship with Josh Smith, one of their, their, their two uh, good friends in the league, as a matter of fact, uh, Josh and, and Dwight. And, and they still think that can work to their advantage if they have any hope of acquiring Dwight Howard in the offseason. It might be a long shot, but Atlanta still believes that's within the realm of possibility. So I, I think there will be plenty of teams that want to acquire Josh Howard. I think I would put Dallas at the top of that list of potential candidates, but I'm not convinced yet from talking to people in Atlanta that they're willing to just give him away. You're going to have to come to Atlanta with a significant offer to get Josh Smith from them. Let's go to the Western Conference now, and, and uh, as I, we skip back and forth, and, and who knew that if you ran the offense through Kobe Bryant and made him the passer that uh, it looked like the Lakers would have found what they needed? Uh, they've been impressive. Well, they seem to have found uh, a formula for this for success, at least in the short term. I mean, they've, you know, Kobe being more of a facilitator and not shooting the ball as much. I mean, look, the numbers have backed that up for years, that when Kobe shoots a lot, they tend not to win. And when he facilitates and passes the ball and reduces his shots, uh, they tend to win. Um, so that's, that's nothing new. But certainly he's taken on almost, uh, and I think Mike D'Antoni said it's sort of an Oscar Robertson-type role with this team where he's, he's scoring in the, you know, the, the high teens, 
he's passing the ball, he's rebounding the ball, he's really been a jack-of-all-trades for this team. And that's kind of what they need because they have to get all these other weapons going in order to beat some of the better teams in the Western Conference. Now, I'm still going to reserve judgment. Uh, a three-game sample size is simply not enough for me to believe that this Lakers team is for real, that Kobe can keep this up over the course of the rest of the season. They can get back into the playoff mix. Um, you know, they've got a seven-game road trip coming up. And even though they have some soft touches on that schedule, they still have to go to Boston. They still have to go to Brooklyn. They still have to go to Miami at the end of that road trip. I think if they emerge from this road trip with sort of a with a 5-2, and two, maybe even a 4-3 and three type of record, we can, you know, we can jump to a conclusion that the Lakers might have figured something out. But, you know, it's just as possible and maybe even just as likely that this team struggles during this road trip and reverts back to the team that we saw for the first two months of the season. So I think this will be a real defining road trip for the Lakers and how they, they want to play. If, if they keep this up and are playing this style over the next couple of weeks, then you know, maybe they've found something. But until they do that, uh, I think this Laker team, you still have to reserve some judgment on them. Now I've got to ask you about a team that keeps surprising, and it's the team that I announced for, the Golden State Warriors, even last night, you know, without Harrison Barnes, without Carl Landry, Steph Curry, and Bogut not playing with the back-to-back. They, they go to Cleveland, who had won four or five and three in a row, and Kyrie Irving was playing, you know, out of his gourd. And the, the Warriors somehow get a road win in, in Cleveland last night. And the, the, I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on the Warriors looking at them uh, from afar. Well, they've been a tremendous surprise, um, no question about it. Um, I, I think the obvious answers are that you know Steph Curry has been healthy. <laughs> he hasn't been healthy for the bulk of his career so far. And now that he has been, we're seeing just what kind of player he was and why so many teams are so high on him. Uh, coming out of the draft, I mean, he, you know, I, I, I hate to, you know, I, I hate the idea of of, of of saying he should have been in the All Star team only because that means you have to take somebody off, and I still don't know which player deserves to come off on that team. You know, Tony Parker's obviously had a phenomenal year. Chris Paul having a phenomenal year. I mean, in order to put Steph Curry on the team, someone's got to be removed, and I'm not really sure who that is at this point. But that takes nothing away from the type of year that he's had uh, been very impressed with clay thompson uh... you know his his second year has been just he's really having a breakout type of year and earning the respect of a lot of teams and a lot of players uh, around the league uh... for his, his ability to shoot the ball i mean I, i've been a big fan of david lee since his days with the knicks um, you know i always thought david lee was an underrated player and i think this year in addition to the things he already could do with the scoring with the rebounding he's had a little bit of defense he's been a little more of a facilitator and been just more of a complete player which i think has really helped not only David Lee, but help this team in general, uh, having him out there on the floor doing so many things. I mean, it's, it's just been a, a really big surprise they've been able to do what they're able to do without Andrew Bogut in the lineup. And now that he's coming back, well, yeah, I mean, this, this Warriors team is not going to be a team that anybody wants to play in the first round of the playoffs because they already can score the basketball. They've been a better defensive team without Bogut this year than they were last year. Now you add a guy who under Scott Skiles really emerged as, as a really good defensive player in terms of shot blocking, uh, you add that to the mix, um, you know, this is going to be a, an interesting team to watch in the second half of the season. Now, I still want to see how he is incorporated into the lineup, how healthy he is, what he's able to do coming back from that type of injury. But if he's similar to the player we saw in Milwaukee a couple of years ago, uh, you know, this, this team, this Warriors team, has the potential to be complete. And if you're going up against them in the playoffs, they're going to be a very difficult team to contend with. Yeah, you know, I have to tell you, you know, the game against Toronto the other night, when he was on the floor, uh, the ball moved, and it reminded me, and again, less flair, not as spectacular, but it reminded me a lot of Sacramento in the 90s and early 2000s, simply because you had a 4 and a 5 in Lee and Bogut, who could both really pass the ball. And, uh, and it, it resulted in a series of layups and dunks, and, and uh, it, was, it was fun to watch. And, and I, I think, uh, you know, it, it almost looked seamless that, you know, he got back on the floor and fit right in because I don't think with, with Bogut, he's not a guy that, you know, he doesn't need 25 points. He doesn't, need, he doesn't command the ball that way. And I think as a facilitator, it'll be a little bit easier. But uh, people have heard me say that uh, b- before. Uh, before I let you go, um, any, any... Well, let, me, let me say this. Andrew Bogut's okay. a top-five center. When he's healthy, he's a top-five center in the NBA. And you know, All you have to do is go back to watch what Skiles did with him in Milwaukee over those last two couple of full seasons. He had him there. I mean, one of the reasons Scott Skiles is not the coach of the Bucks anymore is because they traded Andrew Bogut. And Scott spent so much time and invested so much energy and effort into, into developing Bogut, not just on the offensive end, but the defensive end. He helped make Bogut 
the player he is today. When they dumped him for Monte Ellis, uh, I think that really infuriated Skiles and, and, and sort of started the, the, the process of him being uh, him going out of town and quitting that team and leaving that team. I mean, Bogut, I mean, I watched you know, a lot of his games in Milwaukee, many of them firsthand, and spent some time talking to that coaching staff out there, and they were determined to make him a better player. They did that. And if he's the player he was in Milwaukee, that is a, an all-star caliber addition to this Warriors team. It's really interesting you said that because obviously traveling with the team, when he addressed the media in Milwaukee, uh, he went out of his way to give credit to, to Coach Skiles and said that, you know, every day that he was working with me to make me better. He, In fact, he talked about that in his uh, press briefing. That's a real interesting comment. Uh, Chris Mannix, our guest from Chris Mannix SI, and, of course, uh, NBC Sports Radio on Sunday nights. Uh, I know we've kept you a long time, but let me just give you a, a little bit of the uh, floor here. Any stories that you're looking at here from now through the All-Star break to the end of the year or any teams or players that you're keeping an eye on? You know, I'm going to head out to Indiana this weekend because Indiana plays Miami on Friday, and that's a team I think is still worth watching. I mean, they played really well against the Pacers, against the Heat last year in the second round of the playoffs, sort of imploded down the stretch, in large part because Paul George wasn't ready for that type of moment. Paul George is an all-star this year. He is an all-defensive team type of player. He's really filled that offensive role that was left, uh, the void that was left when Danny Granger went out of the lineup. I mean, this team is a tough defensive team. I think statistically still the best defensive team in the league in terms of field goal percentage. And if they can find enough offense when Granger comes back, and if they can, they can fold him back in seamlessly, that's a team that I think has, is maybe the only team in the Eastern Conference that has a chance to upend Miami uh, in the postseason. I mean, they are that good on both ends of the floor. They're well coached with Frank Vogel uh, at the helm there. And, and like I said, the, just the, the development of Paul George this year has been phenomenal. I'm really interested to see how they play against Miami this week and interested to see how they, they play down the stretch once Granger comes back because, I mean, they, they were not scared of Miami in those first few games. They were, they're big enough, they're strong enough up front to bully the Heat in the postseason. And now that George has that year under his belt where he's not afraid of the lights, he's not afraid of defending a Dwayne Wade or a LeBron in key situations, um, I think that makes that team exponentially better. So they're, they're really high on my radar in teams to watch in the second half because I think they might be a real dark horse candidate to get to the NBA Finals. Chris, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. We could do, I, could, I could do this for hours. I know you've got other things to do. Uh, I appreciate uh, your time and look forward to chatting with you again and maybe bumping into you somewhere down uh, along the NBA trail. You got it anytime. I don't believe it. I can't believe it. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Metro PCS invites you to meet Warriors guard Stephen Curry this Friday, February 1st. Steph will be signing autographs at two locations courtesy of Metro PCS. Now, the Metro PCS authorized dealer inside Eastmont Mall on Bancroft Avenue in Oakland at 5 o'clock and the Metro PCS retail store on Christie Avenue in Emeryville at 615. Staff will sign autographs for the first of 200 fans at each location. For more information, including directions, go to warriors.com slash meet Steph. Your chance to meet Steph Curry in person and get his autograph, and what a deal that is. And by the way, if you missed it at the top of the show, Harrison Barnes and guard Clay Thompson have been selected to play in the BBVA Rising Stars Challenge. It's all part of NBA All-Star Weekend, February 15th in Houston. And they become the first Warriors to play in the Rising Stars Challenge game. So Steph Curry did it as a sophomore. And, of course, they'll be joining All-Star David Lee to represent Golden State in the All-Star Weekend in Houston. Let's check the upcoming broadcast radio-only coverage of tomorrow night as the Warriors take on the Dallas Mavericks, and that means Dirk Nowitzki. Warriors and Mavs start at 7 o'clock on Thursday. Same start time on Saturday night as the Warriors take on the Phoenix Suns and the clever point guard stylings of Goran Dragic. Morris looks cross court. Dragic is there in the corner. Dragic now pulls back a three. Shazam! Oh, three-pointers are flying. Not for Portland, for the Suns. 
Warriors and Suns on Saturday night starting at 7 o'clock. Then on Tuesday, the Warriors go to Houston to take out the Rockets and fear the beard of James Harden. Well, he was wide open. Rebound, Oshik to Lynn. Ahead to Harden. Around a double team. The scoop score and harm. And and one coming up for James Harden. That ball traveled about 75 feet without ever hitting the floor. Warriors and Rockets 445 is our airtime on KBR 680. And then the back-to-back hook. It's really tough. On to Oklahoma City. Can you stop Kevin Durant? 12 to shoot. Durant, three-time reigning scoring. King elevates, fires, and drains a 21-foot jumper. That's like taking candy from a baby. And Kevin Durant says, I'm so hungry. Give me some candy. He's got 10. Four in double figures now for the Thunder. They're playing brilliant basketball offensively. Warriors and Thunder on Wednesday, February 6th, 4.45 the airtime on the KMBR 680. And then we invite you to sit down once again for the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on Thursday, February 7th. 8 o'clock is our airtime. Now, for the Dallas game and the Phoenix game, there are still tickets available, and you can get them early at warriors.com slash dynamic or call one gsw hoop Hi, Tim Roy, thanking all of our guests on the Tonight Show, thanking Andrew Bogut and uh, Jim Barnett. Our special thanks to Jeremy Tyler for talking with us about year number two in the NBA and Chris Mannix to help us sort out what's happening around the association. I, Tim Roy, for the best producer in the Western Hemisphere, R.C. Davis, Dave Feldhouse at the controls at KMBR 680, Ray Woodson taking your calls and comments following the show. Warriors and Mavs tomorrow night, radio-only coverage locally starting at 7 o'clock on KMBR. I, Tim Roy, saying good night for the Golden State Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Golden State Warriors basketball. It's a four on three. The trailer's Curry right side. Fires away. Three ball. For tickets, go to warriors.com or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.